1: you serious hello
2: there plenty of ways to kill some time out there thank you for killing some time with myself marcus bronzy now on today's episode just want to say um quick one for you guys out there um stay safe all right before we crack on with today's show stay safe and keep staying safe in the uk today as i record this the 20th of april 2020 uh there is chat here about the whole corona lockdown situation being really really at its peak and I feel like people think things are going to get better from here. But if we start going outside again, it ain't going to help. So please, I'm not going to have a go at you because I know you—you—you're uh, you, you, one of the cool ones listening, right? You're behaving yourself. But I just want to make sure that you're staying in, staying safe. We've got plenty of content coming out. We've actually been recording loads of stuff that we're not allowed to put out until it's closer to the release date uh, of certain things. But today, I just want to say I'm really happy I got opportunity to speak to Kelly Vero, who's an amazing person working in the forefront and and cutting edge of VR gaming at the moment. And I was really happy that I was going to have an opportunity to chat with her. But as I started to research this guest, (laughs) I realized that this person has done some of the coolest shit. Like I really want to sit down and have a conversation that was way longer than the one I had with her. Um, I'm about to talk to somebody who (laughs) has written the first female writer for Transformers, right? has written content that's ended up in movies, right? Is an absolute Final Fantasy fan in a way that you'll only be able to appreciate when you hear how we talk about it. And also stole the file of facts, the details of one of the world's biggest DJs. (laughs) And then we talk about what she did with it. And she also did PR for one of the most well-known families in the world. All of that... is coming up in today's episode but the first thing i asked kelly when she hopped on the show was hey let's talk about final fantasy i heard you're a pretty big fan
3: oh yeah like die hard like the biggest fan ever like
2: wicked wicked so you must have enjoyed the last couple of episodes we've done oh i
3: really loved it really been amazing talking to brianna just so good. Like that's what every Final Fantasy seven fan like wants to hear. You know what I mean? Yeah. We yeah, it's we need awesome. to know that the story carries on.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And also the people behind the voices, like they really do care about it as well. So big I mean, time.
3: And that's yeah. because the community cares about them. And that's yeah. what you know, when they made Advent Children all those years ago, um, the community did not even flinch. They didn't say, oh, Square Enix are going to mess it up because they just knew that Square Enix were never going to mess it up. And then the addition of like the really great voice casting means that they became now like forever part of the Final Fantasy family.
2: Yeah, it's a big thing to be part of as well. And
3: we never get, I've I've worked on some killer IPs, but um, we don't, I find that some of the IPs I've worked on, sometimes you get a bit of friction from the people that you talk to. So they sort of, I mean, I'm not going to mention any IPs unless you press me for them, but sometimes they've sort of said, oh yeah. So why are you reinventing this character? And it's like, well, because we've got like 300 characters to choose from and we just want to bring this character back to life. Yeah. Well, the community don't agree that that's a good thing to do. So maybe you should rethink that. But with Final Fantasy, someone comes along and sort of says, oh, hi, I'm going to be your heiress for, for this time or I'm going to be your Tifa. And they're like, cool, come aboard. You're so yeah. amazing. We love you. You're now part of the family.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I think it's a privilege to be someone who's involved <sighs> at that level as well. Right. right real privilege. Good game as well. Is it true you've got Final Fantasy tats?
3: Yeah, I've got like a Final Fantasy sleeve of my battle group. So kind of at the bottom by my wrist, I've got Aeris's flowers from the church. Yeah, then I've got like massive cloud in the middle of my forearm. So from my wrist, and it's the Advent Children cloud. So there's loads of um, pixelation um, from, you know, the, the, the poisoning. Um, yeah. And then I've got Sephiroth above. In the middle, even though he's not part of the battle group, he's a definite important part of the game. <laughs> and then I've got, um, I've got Red 13, because that guy was created in a lab, for God's sakes. And then above that, it's really sounding like a complete nerd already. We've only been talking for like five minutes. And then I've got Vincent, of course, and it's Vincent from the Crisis Court era. So he's kneeling on a cross looking hella scary, yet sexy.
2: <laughs> that so that is it's a proper sleeve, then. Then we're talking, yeah,
3: yeah, wrist. all the way up to my shoulder. Jeez. In fact, I saw a picture of my shoulder the other day, and I was like, and he didn't have a tattoo on it. I was like, wow, I never knew that it looked like that,
2: yeah, yeah, just things you forget, shoulder, right? Yeah, that's crazy. That's so, yeah, all right, well, you're really invested. Well, I'm yeah, I'm glad that we dropped those two episodes, uh, with the uh, interviews of the voice actors beforehand, but yeah, we're here to talk about you today. Uh, nice. another thing before we get into gaming, though. Is it true that you once stole a phyla flax from somebody? Yeah. Was that uh, person's name Pete Tong?
3: Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> a million years ago, like, and, and I feel like this is so sort of, this is such, I was like a pre millennial millennial or like a pre Gen Zer because, you know, we didn't have hipsters like back in my day i know i sound so much younger than i am but let me <laughs> tell you i'm not um and and when pete tong used to do the essential selection on friday night obviously that guy was the don yeah and so to get to be in the same uh room as um pete tong was kind of like a really massive sort of accolade my god you've been near pete tong in fact i yeah. did that hacienda rave last weekend and and, you know, standing looking at David Morales dancing around his uh, little uh, deck was absolutely incredible for me. <laughs> it made it. But Pete Tom went to the loo while he was doing a DJ set. And uh, Kelly Vero with his sticky fingers said, hmm, that looks kind of quite good. So I just kind of slipped it into my hand. And then <laughs> I went into the office and I basically photocopied his entire file of facts that was full of every single amazing superstar DJ at the time, you know, talking like Paul Oakenfold. You know, Bono's details were in there. There was just people's details that you could never imagine like in a million years, which, <laughs> which set me up for my later job real well because uh, I just became master blagger. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I haven't stopped. I ain't stopped and I can't stop being like, you know, Ligger of the year. I'm just totally blagging everything wherever I can.
2: <laughs> I love it. So that is like, Hustling, I love the fact babe. that some people are going to be listening going, what's the filofax? Basically yeah. it's a maiden <laughs> list. Yeah. Written in <laughs> a book back in the day. Yeah. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Got to get them digits, isn't it?
2: Yeah, that is sick. So you you literally nicked it. And I mean, and, and I take it you've never bumped into Pete Tong ever since. And
3: You know what? I bumped into his manager a few years like after Eddie. He lives yeah. in LA now. And I bumped into him and I was like, Eddie, you know, I've got a massive confession to make. And he was like, what? And I said, I'm the one that stole Pete's file fax, like back in the day. And he was like... My God, do you know how much trouble that caused? I put the file of facts back after he'd done his set, but the problem was <laughs> the big mistake I made was going around ringing people like Bono.
2: Yes, that was the mistake, you know. What um, um, and like so you literally <laughs> so one second so you literally like just said fuck it photocopied all, the whole thing got got it back, but you had these big names in front of you, big
3: some big ass and... names from from time, yeah.
2: When you saw Bono, you, you were just like, fuck it, I'm going to call it. Okay, fuck it,
3: I'm going to call it. It was in Ireland. I figured like at the time, because of the charges of like telephone-like calls, because remember the mm. days when you used to have to use a landline? Oh my God. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, it's a phone
2: that's plugged into a wall again for the guys that don't know what a file is. Yeah, there you go.
3: <laughs> and uh, yeah, I thought, you know, it, it's a little bit cheaper than Ring in America. I mean... This is the girly who for Sutherland when she was 15 as well. I've also, I, I am like a serial, I'm a serial idiot for this stuff. So ringing oh. Bono seemed like cheaper than ringing a film set in LA. Yeah. So I, I ran yeah. Dublin and Dublin was not bubbling at two in the morning. Do you know what I'm saying?
2: So yeah, I was going to say what this conversation with Bono go like. How it was you know? like, who
3: the hell are you? Well, why are you ringing my residence? And, uh, you know, what do you want? Are you a cool. fan are you a fan or something? And that was the point where I said, No, I'm I'm not a fan actually. <laughs> <laughs> I really like like whatever band was around at the time. I really like them instead, sorry.
2: <laughs> wow. And <laughs> and, and who Yeah, go on. No, go, I was just gonna say, I was like, no, carry on, please carry on.
3: And, and like, I just sort of had like massive egg on my face the first time, because what happens when you're like a salesperson is that the first time you get turned down flat and you feel like a fool, but the second time you come back stronger,
1: you come mm. back harder. Mm. And you just think
3: I ain't going to get pushed about. So, you know, I wanted to go like bigger. He, that that guy, Pete Tong has got some serious, serious digits in that book.
2: Who Who else did about? you give a call?
3: Um. God, I remember ringing like literally everybody that was really famous in the sort of DJ times, uh, yeah. like you know the big superstar DJs. Long before David Guetta and Steve Aoki, you know yeah. people like Paul Conforte, people like Fatboy Slim. I think I, I think I rang Fatboy Slim. Norman,
2: good on you. You're right, Norm. Yeah, right, right, I think
3: I, I rang him and sort of. And and he was unavailable to take the call at the time because some of these DJs have got like those massive Motorola uh, mobile phones that were around at the time like that were like a house brick. And yes. I remember ringing them and, and they loved answering their cell phones because obviously the chicks really did, dug it. So, um, you know, they pick up their sort of phone and, I'm in a DJ booth right now, babe, can't talk. Call you later. <laughs> so I, I just mm. did my like entire sales pitch, like <sighs> – in in one night because I, I I just felt like it was the middle of a rave. I actually did this during the middle of a rave. That's what's so ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Everyone was crazy. raving in
3: one room and I was calling Bono in the other. What you were doing work
2: idiot. in the other. I love it. Were there any names in there that you were like, I'm I'm definitely not gonna call this? Oh this yeah, Tom bit-
3: Hanks's number was in
2: there. You had the Hanks, isn't? Ah, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. But you oh. know,
3: back in those days, yeah, that guy weren't cool. He'd done like loads of films with Meg Ryan that your mum liked, and so <laughs> nobody wanted to deal with the Hanks back then. Whereas
2: now, you got Woody now, from Toy St- Story. You got you know Castaway. He's, Forest kid, oh, isn't he's a isn't it? Guy, man, yeah. Now Tom Hanks is probably one of my number one actors. I'm so sorry.
3: I'm so sorry that I didn't do this, Marcus. I'm so sorry.
2: Have you I mean have you still have you still got Tom Hanks's number? I doubt it'll it'll ring through now.
3: Do you know what? I'm a right hoarder of like numbers and information as well. So as we've gone through the digital age, I've been scanning those bad boys in. So yeah, I've probably got Tom Hanks's number. I've certainly still got Kiefer Sutherland's number.
2: Kiefer, good old Kiefer. I mean, he's another comeback king, isn't he, really? I mean, 24, that brought him back into the fight. I
3: met him the night. I actually met the guy and told him the story the night before he he started rolling on uh, 24. (laughs) I met him the night before in LA and sort of said, I was 15. I was an idiot. You were filming Young Guns. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just well, I just have been waiting my whole life for someone to say, "Step into my office." Why? Because you're fucking fired. Because <laughs> I just am that idiot that just goes around ringing Hollywood stars. Yeah.
2: But I got you into a Lisa. great position. I've got to say. I mean, look, look, you, 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 <laughs> yeah. You do, you you're kicking ass. I mean, I've got I've got some other juicy stories that I want to get to you to you in a second. But like, I want to talk more about what you're up to at the moment as well, though. So, um. So I real?
3: Yeah, yeah. So like after the Pete Tong debacle. I went and yeah. worked on like games, um, <laughs> because I felt like that was probably my strong suit. Though now looking back and discussing it with you, I feel like I should go back into artist management. To be honest, um, I, I went and worked in the games industry, and um, it was really kind of quite fledgling at the time because we've made that transition from um, playing on the Atari, the Snares, etc., and then we started moving towards the PlayStation and like finding good flagship games for the PlayStation. This is like way before the Xbox had even started yeah. to get its pants on. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, the, this the PlayStation were really only competing with the Japanese in the world marketplace um, because the, the, the Japanese had already made um, obviously the PlayStation because of the Japanese company and, and also the Snares and Nares and Super Famicom, et cetera. So um, I started working in games then, and it was a really good time to sort of get involved because there were a lot of rock stars around, <laughs> um, and there were a lot of people who I really respect and admire to to this day, who kind of gave me a leg up. And so, mm. like the the fast forward to sort of 2020, and I've been working in the games industry for 20 <clears throat> something years now, and. Um, <laughs> And uh, I I, I now work as uh, head of games development for a a, a VR company. So Mm -hmm. we're technically not a VR company because we serve like extended reality, but we're basically a replicator. What you put in one end of our machine comes out the other end of the machine as a digital twin. So we make like digital twins. Um, And it's super exciting because we're just pushing the edge of technology. And that reminds me so much of when I first started working in the games industry, because that's exactly what we were doing, pushing the edge mm-hmm. of technology in a really amazing way. Um, but now it's so much simpler kind of than it was. We don't have so many sort of challenges and problems to overcome that can't be overcome by, you know, having a decent sort of supercomputer the kind of supercomputers back in the day of making games like Tomb Raider or Final Fantasy VII, etc. The, these would have taken up a room. They're the equivalent of that ridiculous Motorola cell phone, you know? House brick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now, I mean, I was just reading the other day that you can build servers on Raspberry Pis now. I mean, that's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. You can carry servers around in your pocket. Come
2: on! I mean, I, I still give people a, a really simple kind of explanation, like like to how crazy things have gone. But just storage. So like, I remember having like a a, a, a a what did I have? Like a four gigabyte memory pen, like pen. And I was like, this has got enough room for everything for the rest of my life on this four gig. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think even Bill Gates said that at one point. There's a quote of him saying that if, if you had a thirty-two megabyte um, drive, that would be able to carry everything you needed for your whole life. You know, um, so like just the fact that storage is so enormous now, you know, a few terabytes here or there, you could easily fill up if you're doing a project.
0: I know. And and that's
2: if you're like an amateur person filming some film. Do you know what I mean?
3: Or just with like playing the Final Fantasy VII remake, you're going to need a terabyte of storage on your PlayStation to do that. Exactly,
2: exactly. And the PlayStation 5
3: isn't even thinking about, they're thinking about a terabyte storage minimum, I think.
2: Yeah, 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 100%. 100%. We've moved, and I think, we've moved yeah. so
3: fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great.
2: I and want you're surfing more. the wave right at the front. Yeah, you do. So you're surfing the, surfing the wave right at the front with um, So Real. Um, and like you said, you, you put stuff in one side and, and stuff comes out the other. Have you got some examples that you can tell us about?
3: Yeah, um, so we're doing anything. So we're, we're doing right. this massive um, phase at the moment where we're scanning 750 objects. So we're taking 750 everyday objects and let me tell you, we've grabbed stuff that's really cool. Like we've grabbed a Super Nintendo entertainment system and we're going to scan it. We don't just scan the outside. We do the entire thing and it comes out as a digital twin at the other end. We can go at the moment up to a four-ton truck. So... Over Jeez. the course of the next week Yeah, and that's the engine and the pistons and all that stuff working in full working physics order. So you will be seeing our stuff in Resident Evil. You'll be seeing our stuff in like Half-Life. You'll be seeing our stuff all over the place. We go worldwide, baby.
2: Mm, that's what I want to hear. I love it. Are you also involved in something called Another World VR as well? So right.
3: yeah, the, the guys at Another World are working with us um, to help us to overcome some of the sort of problems that we've got in terms of creating really fast demos, fast and not dirty demos, but fast and really polished demos that you can just do in Oculus rather than having to say to people, this is VR, this is how it works. We know that like you guys get it. So sitting there and sort of saying, this is VR, that's the kind of thing for my mom and her Tom Hanks film What I want to do is I want people to just pick up, like, an Oculus, a Vive, a PlayStation VR or whatever and just go, all right, I see this is the kind of thing you're doing. We're also doing AR as well. So that is a big, like, future thing. Um, In the next couple of years, you're going to see AR is going to explode onto the scene. And that's because Apple have put so much money into their latest uh, um, device as well because you would be able to just scan stuff on the street and put it straight into your phone
2: yeah, yeah and we're starting to see that already so like i, I love the fact with the kind of uh latest gen- few generations of phones we can pick something produce it in ar and like whether it's like a simple thing like a, a bit of ikea furniture that you can kind of put in a corner and see how it'll look or some of the more fun stuff you can just have like an elephant in your living room as well that's just the beginning of what we can kind of do with AR yeah, right? and Google's it's really interesting really whenever I speak good
3: stuff in it yeah, yeah yeah Google
2: are really cracking on with it aren't they so it's like it's really interesting to talk to somebody who works in VR because I always like to ask them about how they think AR will factor into things in the future because I think VR is really cool for an experience but mm. AR can be quite inclusive mm. so another in world
3: VR like do really good those really good sort of uh, survival
0: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
3: What's really interesting is they're trying to bring more film into what it is that they're doing. So rather than, I mean, I'm not going to make people feel sort of bad about going to the pictures and watching a movie, but, you know, you're going to get soon much more of an experience outside of the IMAX experience by just sticking on a headset and doing something like what Another World VR are doing, and that is building really good end-to-end experiences. Now Mm. Oculus have released this Oculus Touch, you'll be able to feel some of this stuff as well. I mean, I don't know yeah. what direction that's going in. To be honest with you, but I'd like well, to we think
2: all know it's, so. it's going to go. <laughs> crotch pieces are going to be here, I reckon, before the end of the year. Especially with isolation. Listen, the isolation has forced people to work from home and, and use things like Zoom. I think crotch parts are going to come. I watch this show called Red Red the Wolf over here, a bit of sci-fi. I'm sure you're aware of it. I love and it. they they have got the crotch the crotch attachments for VR. I think it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. Well,
3: it's already happening in China. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. They do these like full-on yeah. VR films, art house films. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, you can basically get a lot of detail that you wouldn't ordinarily get.
2: <laughs> We're here at How to Kill an Hour. We're pioneers of trying new things. So, you know, when the technology comes to the UK, it's only right. Give it a will, we, yo. Um, Don't, wait that,
3: it it Don't wait till it comes to the UK. Don't wait till it comes to the UK, Mark. You'll be, le- be left out, you know. This lockdown <laughs> vibe is making everyone go back in time, not forward, Marty. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Love it, love it, absolutely love it. So, yeah, in terms of, of, of VR, like what where where is the is the future? Where do you think the next big bite's gonna be in terms of how VR and consoles are concerned? Because I feel like with the last gen of consoles, or the current gen, should we say, VR has worked its way in quite nicely. Not quite at the forefront, but I think uh, things like PlayStation VR. And Oculus really helped to kind of make the more make VR more of a mainstream conversation.
3: I think the question is how these two things compare for yeah. you, the end user. You've obviously yeah. played PlayStation VR and you've played on maybe all of the Oculuses. I don't know yeah. what plural is that. Is it Oculi or what?
2: O- Oculi. I've played on the Oculis.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, they're a lot
2: less cr- clunky. Quick digression. Like the first Oculus, like you had to put up cameras and the headset and you're wired. Now that you can be untethered, I feel like that's a much better situation to be in
3: it's a big win and yeah. and but, but I think and I say this quite a lot one of the killer problems that we've got is that people are just not developing fast enough for it do you know what I mean they're not yeah, yeah. they're not they're not uh, keeping it real enough everyone's still developing for like a console age and the console mm. age is really sort of coming apart a little bit now because you know, the end user wants more uniformity in the platform. We yeah. want to play on Steam on our TV, and but also we want to play on PlayStation. Why do we have to choose, like, between the devices to play the games we really want to play? And so yeah. that's, like, a big pull. And I reckon that VR is really pushing that sort of standard where, you know, if you're going to Steam VR, you get the same experience that you get from PlayStation VR or whatever.
2: Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, 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 yeah.
3: and and I was just going to say that the addition of, I played it a few years ago, uh, but it's releasing this year, and that's um, the Oculus Touch. Being able to have yes. that six degrees of freedom, that's mad. Oh, that's amazing. like all kinds of mad. I, I played this game where you just basically go make like a cup of coffee. It was so simple, but I felt the cup. I felt the heat of the coffee. I felt, the only thing I didn't have was smell vision. I mean, <laughs> you know, but it doesn't mean it's not coming. Yeah.
2: Stranger things have happened. You know what I mean?
3: But the feel, the feel yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. The more that we can yeah. live like in this simulated world, the more that people will want to develop for it. That's for sure. That's so obvious. Yeah. But someone's yeah, got mean, to take a yeah. first step.
2: I mean for us I mean I'm always future gazing and Mm -hmm. I think during this time I've not really had a bit of downtime during lockdown in fact I've been as busy as ever but it's made me think how we have the technology here for example here at How To Kill An Hour right where we can still pretty much sound like you and I aren't you know on the phone you're gonna say this sounds way better Um, and this feels like a much more personal conversation I mean we could also have flicked on zoom so I could see your face uh but I'm thinking Future gazing wise, like in terms of you know using AR and VR scanning, like if we are going to have more lockdowns, it's more likely that I'll be able to have a quick meeting in a virtual room and see you and 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 you know you know have a drink, have a coffee in my hand, and have a chat with you and have kind of these faux physical interactions, not because. We, we need to, but because we want to. Because if I have to stay in my house, I, you know, having a weekly meeting or a, or a daily meeting with somebody where I can actually see them and, and be in a room with them, that'd be great. Do you know what I mean? Even if it's just a bit of connection for like, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, awesome. think, um, I think there's only one real organisation that's really trying to make that stuff happen. Obviously, in this time of like the coronavirus lockdown, yeah, people are really scrabbling fast to try and find solutions, but you know, I'm afraid it's the Zook that's really like pushing the boundaries of what what we can do in terms of having that connection.
1: <laughs> and yeah.
3: he's he did the right thing a few years ago by buying up Oculus and really driving that technology um to its bleeding edge. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. each time we have a bleeding edge, we go and find another. And we just keep going and finding it. And, the, you know, the big the big like steps that we're going to make in this industry are going to be ways that we can, like you and I, can have that connection to things without having the uncanny valley. You know what the uncanny valley is, yes. right? So yeah. that bit where your brain sort of tells you that it's not real.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so your brain yeah.
3: sort of goes, ha ha, that's not real. So... You're not really going to believe in this, but as soon as we've nailed that Uncanny Valley, people's just going to fall in like like lemmings in that amazing game yeah. from the 1980s.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't wait for I can't wait for the day that I'm I'm podcasting uh, with you, but it feels like we're in the same room together, and that means we can share that with audiences as well. We can have these interactions, and yeah, instead of just really, having to listen to this podcast,
3: you're missing out on like my amazing. Tattoo face. and and my Your NWA t shirt that I've got on today and my incredible pink <laughs> hair, so I, I oh. feel like you're big missing out here.
2: Oh man, <laughs> damn, damn! We'll have to make sure next time we get the cameras yeah, fired up and definitely. we're good to go as well. Right, um, so another story that I've heard about mm. you, um, actually, I've, I've I've seen you got a few books out as well. Mm. Tell us about those first, actually. Oh,
3: thanks. You're right as
2: well. What don't you do? Yeah.
3: Well, I like to keep busy. You've got to, I mean, if you're going to go around sort of thumbing through the pages of Pete Tong's Filofax, you've got to keep finding ways to keep them yeah. fingers occupied. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so, <laughs> yeah, I've written a few books. I write um, crime novels. Just, just for shits and giggles.
2: <laughs> Prince of Tokyo, I Oh, seen Prince of, of Tokyo Amazon.
3: was like based on a bunch of really weird VR type dreams that I had while I was doing, working on some. VR stuff so I just wrote a collection of short stories yeah when I'm not doing the uh, games and making cool VR products I, I, I write books yeah and uh go to gigs yeah
2: gigging that's how you like to kill time yeah how, yeah. how are you how you gigging at the moment because I went to a I went to a zoom party on the weekend there was well, like I 300 did that. of us in a room
3: oh how was it was it good
2: it was really good. What they did is the host. So it was a birthday party. Mm-hmm. So what was really good is the person whose actual birthday it was, was, a, was hosting the party, but they shared the hosting with somebody who wasn't as drunk as him because like <laughs> an hour in he forgot how to use Zoom. And uh. he's a young man. He's very tech savvy, right? But he just didn't, he, his facilities were failing him. So um, what we did is everybody came in and was muted automatically. There was a waiting room as well. Uh, you came into the party, everybody got muted. And there was a DJ who was live streaming. There were yeah. two DJs actually live streaming. Uh, like they were going for like half an hour each, and then like they once in a while they'd stop the music and they'd put somebody on spotlight. They'd make their picture big and they'd give the birthday boy a wish, have a quick shot with him. And then we'd carry on partying for a little while. So it was like when somebody came into the room, you'd hear the little ding dong when they came in and Zoom. They'd go on the big screen and everyone would be like, way! And then they'd <laughs> carry on. And like, you know, we had the typical, it was kind of like a, a family house party. You kind of had the typical um, like drunk uncle that would come on and do a little speech for like 45 years. Um, you'd have, you know, his mum popped up and, and she did a massive shot of Brandy and everyone was like, way! yeah it it was nice it was pretty cool I mean obviously didn't get to shake a leg but it was nice just kind of sitting down and and kind of enjoying some kind of a party vibe with somebody
3: it'd be so good though if they if like on whichever like platform you choose to do this stuff whether they could sort of you know muck about a bit with background noise because I think that's like a, a big problem unless you're actually standing over a mic or you've got a boom Mm. mic over your head you're gonna Mm. have like major problems trying to be heard over the sounds of people going yeah on a a zoom call but i did that um i did that hacienda rave um Mm. a couple of weeks ago because they're raising money for the greater manchester um lockdown key worker type thing which was really nice but um i went the pure nostalgia, really just to see if you know, Pete Tong wants his Filofax back, I guess. But um yeah. <laughs> but um it 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 was awesome because there were live sets. So Orbital did a live set. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and for people who don't know who Orbital are, they're a pretty seminal techno sort of house band for want of a better word. Um and uh, they've got a, a massive following even still. So that was really nostalgic for a lot of people because, you know, usually you've got to pay millions to go and see Orbital in concert. Um, and this was free for a donation. So it was awesome. really nice to be able to, and I think that's what this lockdown thing's about, you know, going to these parties, doing this online stuff, going to these raves. It's all about inclusion. We've got a client in uh, at, at who who... Um, they do predominantly raves at ski resorts. So they're doing a a ski resort rave using a piece of sushi that we did for them. So we basically scanned in a piece of sushi. But because we can go inside the sushi, you can see every single piece of rice that's inside the sushi. So they said, oh, that sounds really awesome. Can we use it for our rave? And I was like, okay, let's have a look at your design and see what it is you want to do. And sure enough, they're just going to cover the the wall with the inside of the sushi, so that people are actually raving <laughs> inside a piece of sushi. So you are actually the cucumber in the maki roll. Check it out. It's going to be uh, nuts, <laughs> yo. Next spring a, a ski resort near you.
2: Oh, fingers crossed. It all goes to plan. I would love to see. I'd love to see that. Yes. I'll be all over that. I am actually, what did you do last this, night? How was your night last night? Well, I was raving inside a bit of sushi, mate. Don't know I'll, about you. I'll
3: send you the, I'll, I'll send you the sushi, like for you to have a bit of a play with.
2: Um, Definitely. And, and we're be.
3: using, we're using machine learning as well so that we're able to sort of give you the perfect piece of sushi. So if you don't want the maki roll, <laughs> you can choose the type of sushi that you actually want and the covering on the top we're like the subway now aren't we of, uh,
2: you are Make, have it your way <laughs> of, of, yeah.
3: uh, of 3d objects <laughs>
2: <laughs> i love that man i love that um all right right so before um uh, we get out of here uh just the last thing i want to talk to you about is mm. i've seen that you used to do pr for the osborns this is written down is this is there truth in this
3: yeah there's some truth in this <laughs> so um i guess uh i went over to L A. and uh, I had a really amazing time i spent some time like <clears throat> attached to the military in the uk okay. and in germany and then afterwards you kind of have to do a sort of resettlement course where you sort of say here's what i want to do next and i went off and said i actually want to do games music but of course computer games at the time was a bit sort of like uh what <laughs> what what do you want to go and do that for and obviously yeah. the gender role situation in the past as well was quite sort of weird to get over because mm. um you know having somebody um who is of the female variety saying that they want to work in the video games during that era was a bit like what um i don't think so you want to be a hairdresser i was like no i do not i will be a tattoo artist rather than a haird- hairdresser so i i kind of found my way by through writing really, and uh, I, I wrote like a series of articles for magazines that I really liked, mostly skateboarding magazines and uh, heavy metal magazines. I love me a bit of death metal, let me tell you. And mm. uh, and so I sort of worked on a festival that was based in the UK at the time, which was called Ozfest, and it moved yep. to the US, and it was run by the Osbournes. And it was at a time when they were transitioning from being the world's number one rock star family to being the world's number one MTV rock star family. Um yeah. And, and yeah, I did like a great deal of PR for them and spent a lot of time in their company. And, you know, had, when I left, I had like a really good relationship with, uh, especially Kelly. because um, I used to drive her to school when she was little and all that kind of good stuff. Um, she is awesome, and so is the entire family. But I'm sure you're kind of thinking to yourself, "Are they really like that?" As you see them on the TV, yeah. and the answer is, "Yeah, they are." <laughs> but isn't that what makes like us great? Because we, us British folk, have got this incre this incredible knack of being crazy and just sort of like dusting it off, like whatever. That's just us, deal with it. Yep. It's just yep. what we're like. Yeah, so you think we're eccentric? So <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yep. we um, are. Yeah, yeah.
3: And that's and that's how it was. And I loved it. Yeah, every minute of it.
2: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, I feel like I could sit here and talk to you for hours. You've done so much. I feel like it's such a <laughs> such a wide range of like attachments to the military, um Nick and Pete Tongs, <laughs> fire fire the facts, the it audience. all comes I'm back also, to
3: that. Come on, Mars. Yeah, I've also yeah. I've
2: also read that you wrote Transformers Storylines. Yeah, as well yeah, yeah, Her's yeah, program.
3: yeah, yeah. First woman like, like really to do that.
2: What was th- I mean, that's amazing, man. Like that's again, that was one of my favourite one of my favourite bits of IP. I love I've Transformers. Got,
3: I, I do as well, and I've got a really great story if you want to hear it about a oh, convention course. that I went to <laughs> There's a guy who does the voice of Optimus Prime called Peter Cullen. He is the god of – he's just Optimus Prime. He did the original film. He is a great bloke. He does not take himself too seriously, but kind of picture the scene. I go to this panel to go and talk about stuff and things. And then in the evening, we all have to go out for a meal because – People are like VIP ticket holders and want to sit down and talk to the voice of uh, Optimus Prime or Shockwave or, or yeah. whatever.
2: Yeah.
3: And uh, I look over the room, and I—I I swear to God, I was as sober as a judge like that night because I got an early flight the next day.
2: Yeah.
3: I looked across the room, and Optimus Prime had some drunk guy in a headlock. <laughs> And he went. He, he didn't even business about it. He just dragged this guy. This guy was obviously like hitting on somebody or whatever. And Optimus Prime just put him directly in a headlock, dragged him out to the edge of the like this massive room that we were all eating in, and just basically yeah. booted this kid up the ass and kicked me. I was like, "That is how that dude got cast as Optimus Prime."
2: He's so kind, you have seen. He's
3: kind, but he's... He's firm,
2: isn't he? it? So you have seen Optimus Prime yeah. beat up somebody in real life. Do you know like how privileged you are,
3: man? The guy is hench. He's like uh, he's he's like seventy eight or something, maybe a little bit more. Man, dem got some serious muscles. <laughs> he's he, he's like Vince McMahon, but just more friendly.
2: Oh man, he is he is the absolute like his voice. I don't know, like I just always think, uh, if I lived in a house with him, imagine getting a telling off from Peter. Like I feel like if he told me to go to my room now as an you adult, I'd be like, Yes, sir. I'll yeah. go straight, straight to my room, it. tidy it up.
3: <laughs> the, the thing that he gets the thing that he gets the most requests for, which I find is really sad, is can you record my voicemail message, please? Seriously, mm. like mm. Yeah. Peter Cullen, yeah. Optimus Prime. I don't know. I would have Optimus Prime doing everything doing everything from the coronavirus like uh information stay Could
2: you imagine if stay at home in the coro- <laughs> oh man if they had him doing the protect public the trash, nhs like- <laughs> yes they just had him to do the top line just like protect the nhs yeah that would that would everybody be like yes you know what yeah. if he was like stay at home we'd be like yeah we'll stay at home opt anything optimus to help you guys you <laughs> get me they need to start calling covid just the Decepticons. <laughs>
3: 'Cause that's what it is, isn't it?
2: Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, I had no. the best I had the best, best time working on Transformers and yeah. one of the reasons why was just because you have got so much choice. And um a lot of the stuff that I worked on actually ended up in the final movies, you know, the Michael don't, Bay movies. So don't, a don't. lot of the storylines like The Last Night is based on a storyline that I did for um Transformers Universe. Yeah. That's wicked. So that it? What's was it like seeing wicked. your stories go to the
2: big screen then? It's how does big. That feel?
3: it's, it feels really nice. It feels good. Yeah.
2: yeah and and yeah, I
3: think awesome. that, you know, a girl who nicks filofaxes from Pete Tong is not doing too bad.
2: <laughs> tell you what. I tell you what. You've, you've done well. You've done well. It just shows a bit, bit of time in the military. Yeah. A bit of a military attachment and then, yeah, crack on Listen, and, and, and do that.
3: How to Kill an Hour is, is like way more boundary breaking and current and relevant than anything any of us guests have ever done seriously it's a brilliant (laughs) podcast
2: oh thank you very much we're just out here trying to look for ways to kill time how are you killing time at the moment then
3: um i'm killing time doing a heck of a lot of work i'm trying Mm. at the moment um to get to really sort of you know game studios are working they're doing a heck of a lot of stuff they've got to because they've got like deadlines they've got to meet But um, it's difficult times. I'm really passionate about getting things like museums online and stuff. I really want to see what we can do with, I don't know, the National Video Game Museum and having that online. or um, Because I don't know if you've been to the National Video Game Museum in Sheffield, it's absolutely incredible. Or the Aerospace Museum in Leicester, you know, the Space Museum. There's so much that we can be doing during this lockdown time that needs to be unforgettable rather than having this moment in time where we come out of it the other side, we're back on the tube or whatever, and we've just completely forgotten about the last six months. So,
2: yeah, yeah, that's very true. That's very true because museums are getting zero footfall at the moment, and a lot yeah. of them are self supporting or well, they've true. got a little bit of support from the government, but not obviously they're not seen as a priority, you know at the moment so yeah, yeah that's yeah, definitely it's something you should look into i'm also I mean, going I'm, to be
3: waiting for my master p call up so that i can create some objects for master p's like next video i don't
2: know what that could happen what what he's i mean he's got the kind of money where you would be like yeah can you just create my whole house? <laughs> well
3: because he like, just master puts like random tanks in his videos right so yeah i'm yeah. just waiting he's,
2: for the call up master p's money is long It is, <laughs> it is very very long i think Listen, if he hooks up with you, your imagination and his dollar, Jesus, oh, I don't know, it'd, it'd be crazy. But yeah, thank you so much for joining <laughs> no, us today. Thank I mean, you. And also for, like, for just like doing this, like, you know, at quite short notice as well. Like, you know, we heard, I heard about you like a couple of days ago that you were available. And then like the fact that we could put this together is, is a real privilege. And yeah, I look forward to seeing what you guys at so real kind of crack out over the next kind of 12 months where this whole VR, AR conversation is becoming way more necessary um so yeah like um where can we find you online as well by the way
3: um our website is so um but you can find me like eating up the twitter and just generally <laughs> yeah. being a gobshite at the uh, forward slash electric geisha that's my handle for yeah. literally everything from final fantasy 7 tattoos to uh, uh, 3D objects um, like sushi that you can rave in. So, you know, stay tuned.
2: I want to see the sushi. I want to I'm see sending sushi. it to
3: you, mate. As soon as we get yeah, for... off the call, I'm sending it your way. I'm yeah, excited. I'm amped. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: all right. Well, thank you very much for killing some time with us. You can find us here at How To Kill An Hour, at How To Kill An Hour on all social medias. And I'm Marcus Brunzi, M-A-R-C-U-S-B-R-O-N-Z-Y. We've also got a nice closed Facebook group where we have conversations about ways that we like to kill time Um, so yeah if you can check those all out that would be great thank you for killing some time with us
3: my pleasure
1: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time